You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hey everyone, it's Wendy Batts. Myself and Ken Miller are your Random Fit hosts. We'd like to bring back our incredible interview with former Duke All-American forward and two-time NCAA champion, Grant Hill. We discussed everything from his Hall of Fame career to overcoming severe injuries using NASM's science-based approach and much more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you today? I am awesome, Wendy. How are you? Uh, living a dream. You know, yes, you no place I'd rather be. But uh, <laughs> guys, I am super, super excited about our podcast today because we have a seven all-time or all, seven-time all-star, five-time all-NBA team selection, a two-time NCAA champion, an NBA Hall of Famer, a co-owner of the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks, a commentator, a businessman, a father, a husband, a friend, and one of my favorite people in the entire world, Mr. Grant Hill. So Grant, welcome to our show. Thank you for being here today. Oh, no, thanks for having me. And thank you for that uh, very kind uh, introduction, uh, Wendy. And uh, I look forward to uh, our discussion today. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. So Ken, you want to kick us off? I know you've got a bunch of questions for us. I do, I do. I had to trim it down to three pages. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no way, we're talking to Grant Hill. Um, so so um, Mr. Hill, uh, <laughs> Grant, um, when, when it comes to the NBA, you spent, I mean, a lot of years you know, quadruple, quintuple the the normal lifespan of somebody who goes into the NBA. And in that time, I mean, again, when you mentioned your your collegiate accolades and and what you've what you've done professionally, and definitely injuries winds up being something that you're gonna incur at some point in time, right? And when you when you when it comes to the professional level, and and I know that you're you're retired now, but you're doing a lot. You're still a busy man. Right, but when it when it comes to maintaining, uh, you know, going through let's say rehab or the reconditioning and and getting back into um, to that high level of competition or even just getting back to I just want to be able to walk around the block I just want to be able to stay in shape, um, you know, what would you tell somebody who who may be at the at the professional level still or even those that are just wanting to stay healthy, what, what's your recommendation or suggestion or things that they should keep in mind when it comes to just stay in shape, get past, you know, getting past an injury or some, some kind of deficit to, to get to where we need to be physically? Yeah, I mean, I think no matter what level, what stage you're at, whether you're, you know, an aging professional athlete, uh, a weekend warrior, uh, middle-aged, uh, which unfortunately I am these days, I think the most important thing is is to take that first start and and to get your body moving. Uh, One thing I've learned, and I've had a series of ailments and injuries and symptoms like most athletes have, um, but one thing I've learned is, you know, you got to keep the body moving and and you got to stay active, um, and particularly with injuries. I mean, you know, when they say motion is is lotion, and so uh, having, you know, proper mobility but also activity 
uh, I think is important. And, um, you know, the body is meant for that. And, and so you, you got to obviously do it at your pace, your comfort level. Um, you know, I'm at a point now where I can't run anymore. Uh, I have a lot of arthritis. Uh, I've had a lot of surgeries. Uh, as Wendy talked about, 19 years in the NBA, it takes its toll. Uh, but there's still ways to, to be active. Uh, there's still ways to be healthy and to be fit. And I just think it's a decision you have to make and a commitment and, uh, and, and just continue forward with that. And uh, I know for me, one of my challenges is, is, is you know, um, once you get out of the routine of being a professional athlete, um, because, you know, you have trainers and you have, you know, therapists and everyone there sort of working with you. And then all of a sudden you're retired and you're on your own. <laughs> and, um, and so right. I mean, you're not, you're not playing anymore. And so you have to, you know, you have to, uh, and then you have injuries and you have things that you have to deal with. And so, um, but I know I'm at my best, um, and, and just as it, you know, just in terms of being happy, being fulfilled, uh, and being healthy when I'm active, when I'm, when I'm working out, when I'm eating right, when I'm doing the necessary things, uh, I, I tend to have a more, uh, pleasant, productive uh, life, if you will. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, it's, it's funny because uh, I used to work with uh, collegiate uh, collegiate athletes. Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the players I used to, to work with, we, we connected some years later, she goes, you know, what, coach, when I was when I was working out with you at Cal, you know, I didn't realize that three days a week, you know, I was getting some of the best workouts I've ever gotten. And then now, I've got I've got to pay someone a hundred dollars a session to take me through the same stuff, right? So when you talk about go, you know, you, with with the team, you have the athletic trainers, the physical therapists, anybody who who would take care of you, and then when you're on your own, you're on your own. You got to find your own resources. Um, so let me ask you this, because now you're 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 you're, you're in ownership. You, you've got a lot of a lot of things going on from a business standpoint. How do you approach self-care now since you since you brought that up? You know, now you you're happy and you're just trying to stay active. And I love that phrase, motion is lotion. So how do you how do you incorporate self-care then into your daily routine to, to get over these things that you've your body has accumulated over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm in a unique situation um, because I did have some some serious injuries and there was some real concern, uh, some doubt as to whether I'd ever come back and play. Uh, and I had to sort of learn about my body, learn how to take care of myself, um, you know, through that process. And I think that aided me and allowed me to, to play nine more years after a devastating ankle injury um, and, and play, you know, play till I was 40. And so you, you pick up things, you learn things along the way, um, and you try to continue with that sort of approach. And, you know, everything from the food you put into your body, you know, I think that's uh, important, particularly when you're dealing with, you know, arthritis, you know, and, and uh, I know certain foods and certain, um, you know, beverages, certain, you know, alcohol, things of that nature, it, it affects how I feel. And uh, I'm very much in tune with that, as most athletes are. I think your rest, you know, getting sleep and being uh, disciplined and diligent about your rest, about recovering, um, and your workouts, you know, I... Um, you know, staying active, continuing to, you know, to, to do cardio, you know, swim. You know, I just did the Peloton this morning. Uh, nice. You know, and, and, and so just, you know, keeping that, keeping that going. Um, and then for me, um, 
you know, and, and really, you know, NASM, um, you know, the, the principles, the foundation, I think the, the um, a lot of what kept me going are things I learned through, through, through NASM. And so uh, I have an arthritic ankle. I have an ankle, you know, Wendy's seen my ugly ankle <laughs> worked on it. And, I wasn't going to go there, by the way, but okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a bad ankle. It's, it's a, and I know that if I don't do my corrective exercises, if I don't, you know, foam roll, if I don't, you know, do the, and, and, and I know my body, I know, I don't probably do it as well if somebody were working on me doing manual therapy, but um, if I don't foam roll, if I don't, you know, do my correctives, then it, it hurts my ankle. It affects and impacts my ankle. And so uh, I don't want to be in pain. Um, I, I want to be able to, to be active. I want to be able to take walks. I want to be able to play golf. Uh, I want to be able to, you know, uh, you know, wake surf. <laughs> I want to be, I still want to have fun. And I know I can't play basketball anymore, but, um, you know, I can't do those things if I don't do my two box and my TKEs and my glute bridges and step ups. And I was paying attention, Wendy. I was. I'm, <laughs> I'm very proud of you. I'm like, that boy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, Grant, well, I have, I have one for you. Um, you know, so you played with multiple teams. Obviously I know your last team that you played with and, um, how well you played, but can you kind of give, you know, give us an idea of, of how did the different types of training staff work with you? I mean, did you see consistency across the board or did teams have completely different approaches? Um, or did you even notice a difference until you, you know, I know that the Suns did stuff specifically following the NASM curriculum. However, some of the other teams I think had different approaches. Yeah, you know, it's a great question. Um, you know, I feel like my career was in three different stages, you know, early on in Detroit, um, you know, we, we, we had a, we had a guy there who, who was at the time we thought was ahead of his time and, and did some interesting things. Uh, didn't believe in sort of heavy lifting. Um, but you know, I was young, you know, I was young and, and you feel like you're invincible. And, um, you know, I, I thought ice was for your drink. I didn't know you put ice on your body. Uh, and then, you know, I ended up having a devastating injury as I transitioned to Orlando. Um, and it was very archaic, you know, it was a lot of Olympic lifts. It was, it was sort of very old school in their approach, uh, not just in terms of training, but also, um, you know, just the, 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 the medical and, 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 you know, sort of the old athletic training model, if you will, um, that, that was sort of archaic in the past. And, you know, when I, when I left Orlando and went to Phoenix, you know, I had been through a lot and missed a considerable amount of time. Uh, was unsure if, if I could really play in Phoenix because they were an up-tempo team and ran up and down the court, played heavy minutes. Uh, and then I went out, went out there and was introduced to this NASM model that the Suns had incorporated. Uh, and, you know, I just, you know, I thought I'd play maybe a year or two and ended up playing six more years and went from a guy who um, really couldn't stay healthy in recent years to all of a sudden I'm an Iron Man. Like I'm playing every game. I'm not missing games. I'm playing heavy minutes. Uh, and so I needed that after a dark period in Orlando. I needed that, you know, mentally and emotionally to be, I wasn't the same player. I was older. You know, I had an ankle that, you know, had some restrictions and limitations. 
Um, but I just to be able to play and be productive and be healthy uh, was huge. And so there was a noticeable difference. I'm writing a book right now, of my memoir, and and so um, and, and it'll be released next year. And I remember vividly when I signed in Phoenix and I went out there for my press conference to sign uh, in 2007. And I went uh, to the to the training staff and they conducted an evaluation. And, you know, you know, they had me put my hands in the air and do the squats and, and do all these different things and testing my range of motion, internal rotation, dorsiflexion. I was paying attention. And um, and and I was amazed at like the detail and the level of care that, you know, that they were providing me, which was, like I said, all part of this NASM model. And on the drive back from the facility to the Biltmore Hotel, like I got emotional. Like I, I, cause I felt like, wow, like with all that I'd been through, you know, five surgeries, a horrible staph infection, a skin flap uh, to repair tissue and skin as a result of the staph infection, missing four years of my prime. Um, and now like I'm getting like this level of care that I, I so desired, um, it confirmed in that moment that I made the right decision. Uh, and even then, I didn't realize just how how good it was, how how impactful and important it was for me as I proceeded forward, and was able to play till I was forty. You know, as a result, you should have played till forty-one. By the way, <laughs> you, you had it in you. It's funny you say that. Just real, so back when I was going through all my injuries in my early 30s, I used to say in my late 20s, I'll make it up on the back end. I'll play till I'm 40. And at 40, I think my body just expired. So I should have said <laughs> 45. <laughs> you know, um, so Grant, I think, you know, one thing people don't understand is when you're a professional athlete, there's a lot that happens, not just trying to prepare for the games, on and off the court. I mean, you are always, you know, at the peak and you you took such good care of yourself. You usually did what you were told, um, especially at the gym. But can you kind of give us an idea, like as a professional athlete, going to different cities and, and traveling as much as you do, like what is what is a day in the life of Grant Hill when you were playing or even now? Because I know it's probably even more chaotic with everything you have going on. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, you know, I think when you played, um, you know, obviously your body is important. And so, um, and, and as you get older, <clears throat> you know, recovery, rest uh, is part of your regimen. And so, you know, when we were in Phoenix and, and let's say we were going to, to Denver and we were going to play them the next day, you know, we'd fly on, on, a, on a team plane, we'd get in, you know, maybe, you know, late afternoon. And I would instantly go right to the hotel gym and either get a, a light lift in or maybe even just get on the bike for 10, 20 minutes and get a, you know, get my body moving. Uh, I thought that was really important, particularly after being on a flight. Nothing strenuous, but just, you know, just sort of flushing my legs out a bit um, and, and helping me. And I felt like that would help me the next day uh, in the game. Um, you know, try to get a good meal uh, eat, you know, eat healthy, um, you know, get my rest, try to go to bed at a reasonable hour. Uh, and then the next day, you know, I like to say athletes, a lot of times are creatures of habit. So, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you know, what time you get up, what you eat for breakfast, 
Uh, I used to keep it pretty simple. Usually hotels had what I liked. Um, if we had, you know, if we had a shoot around, we'd go to shoot around and we, you know, prepare for the opponent, um, you know, and, and, and get up and down, get a lather a little bit. Uh, a lot of times that morning before shoot around, I, I'd lift, you know, I, I used to lift every day. Mike Elliott, who was the strength coach, uh, we used to call him cowboy. Um, he, he, um, he was a strength coach for the Suns. He's now the, uh, I think the, the, the head of medical for the Utah Jazz. Um, I would lift with Mike. If, I might have the all-time record for lifts. And, and I'm not a big guy. I wasn't a big guy. Um, but I would lift in the morning of games. I would lift right before games. Uh, and a lot of times it was activating my body. Uh, it was getting me uh, loose, getting me warm. Uh, an off-day lift might have been very different than a game-day lift. But um, you know, I, I felt that it got me ready. It got me prepared. There was something mentally and psychologically, I think, that went with it. But also, I think, from a physical standpoint, uh, it really, uh, it really helped me and get me, you know, it, it helped me stay healthy. And so, anyway, I know I'm all over the place with that answer, but <laughs> you know, just just preparing yourself for the game that night, and then off days, once again, you know, preparing yourself. I did not take days off. You know, even an off day, I would try to do something. It might be go in and ride the bike for a little bit, get a light lift, maybe go for a light swim, do something. Um, but I, I never took off entirely because I felt like a day off, you needed a whole day to recover, to get that day back, if that makes sense. And, um, and so, you know, now I try to do that. It, it's a little bit harder at times, but you just have to be a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more creative. Um, and I don't have, you know, a bevy of, of people at my disposal who tell me what to do. I have to actually think about it now myself, um, which I kind of miss um, being told what to do. But, but yeah, you know, just stay active, stay active, stay busy and, uh, and make it a priority. You know, that's the most important thing. So question for, I mean, that was a lot of great stuff there, Grant. So because you're still involved with, with basketball, you know, with ownership and everything, and I love your shirt, by the way, um, what, you know, and, and mentorship's important when it comes to bringing uh, younger, younger players up and making sure that they are durable and they can last as long as they can last in, in, in chasing their dream and in playing a, a great sport like basketball. So what, what, would you advise somebody who's coming up in the league, maybe first, second year, that they need to do for themselves? So you figured out over time, it took you a while to gather that information that you know it took for you to you know get to get to 40 years old and still play. What's your advice for somebody who wants to play into their late 30s and into their 40s as well? I mean, we, we see it a lot right now with you know Tom Brady and, and Drew Brees, these, these players that have played or are still playing and to, you know, years not really seen before for their sport. So what would you advise somebody as a, as a mentor in getting somebody to, to stay in their field longer? Well, you know, I, I think first and foremost, um, you, you know, your, your career goes by fast. Even, you know, in my case, playing until I was 40, uh, you look back at it, it's like you blink your eye and you're like, wow, like it all you know, just happens quickly. And so... You know, I, I think you want to you want to enjoy it, but you want to give it your all and, and and get as much out of it as you can. 
uh, once it's over, it's over, you know, and there's no turning back. And, uh, and you're right. I mean, there are examples of athletes in all sports who, um, you know, who are playing later and playing at a high level. And, uh, and so what was, you know, when I entered the NBA, you know, I remember I was 21 years old, four years in college at Duke, I went to Detroit and I, I said to myself, I won't play past I'm 34, like 34 is old, you know, like who wants to play at 34? Like that's just too old. And, um, and, and nowadays you have players at 34 and in their late thirties still playing at a high level. So embracing the idea of like taking care of yourself, embracing this notion that you can play into your forties, um, you know, understanding, you know, what it takes, you know, training, um, rest, eating right, you know, all these things that were kind of foreign to me and not on my radar when I was 21. I think now, you know, because of the work you guys do and NASM and like, I, I think people now are more aware. I think, you know, I think trainers and professional sports teams uh, are more aware um, and understanding of the body and what it takes and, and looking at the body from a global perspective as opposed to a regional perspective. Um, and so, you know, this is your livelihood, you know, in some sports, particularly in mine, uh, your earning capacity, the amount of money that uh, players can make uh, in today's game. Um, you know, as I like to say, as long as they're giving out free money, you better play as long as you can. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that as a team owner, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> so those of you guys that are joining us, we're here with our very special guest, Mr. Grant Hill. And uh, Grant, again, thank you for taking the time to join us. But I have a question kind of bringing you back before you even went to the NBA. So your dad obviously was a very successful NFL player, your mother, an attorney. So when you're growing up with, you know, two, I'm sure, you know, unbelievable parents that have probably their, their, their way of life. How was it growing up in that? And then, you know, were you pressured to play football because of your dad or were you playing multiple sports? Like, how did you actually get into basketball? Like, what brought yeah. you there? Yeah, no, great question. I mean, uh, first of all, my parents, you know, were and are incredible. Um, you know, they they were achievers. And, and so there was, you know, an expectation that, you know, you would do something with your life. You know, you, you would be productive, you would embrace education, you, know, you would give your all in everything that you pursued. Uh, and so that was there. There, there wasn't necessarily a pressure, um, um, but they were supportive. I like to say that, you know, and as a metaphor, you know, parenting, you know, there's, 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 there's 12 inches between a pat on the back and a pat on the butt. Um, and, and as a parent, you gotta do both, you know, but the key is contact. And, and so my parents were, were very much, you know, engaged and involved with all their accomplishments and their schedules. They were there. And, um, and so that's something that, you know, I try to, you know, incorporate with, with, my, with my daughters uh, as well. Um, I forgot the last part of your question. <laughs> well, were you ever pressured? I mean, did, was, was it more like we want you to go into football or, you know, did you play multiple sports? So for me... I grew up, you know, obviously my dad played for the Cowboys, Redskins. I mean, I, you know, I, as a little kid, you know, I had a football in my hand, helmet on, all, like I wanted to play football. And that was my first love. 
Now, my dad didn't want me to play until I got to high school. And in part, it was because he didn't play until he got to high school. And he also didn't want some like Pop Warner Little League parent thinking they were Vince Lombardi. Uh, he felt like, you know, you've got to be more developed to play football. And, you know, he played back in the, in the 70s where, you know, sports medicine was like non-existent, you know. <laughs> You know, take a pill, shoot up, go out there. His story, you think my stories are bad. His stories are, are incredible. But, um, and so the, the plan, I guess, was was for me to wait until I got to high school. Now, in the interim, you know, I started off playing soccer and I grew up in Northern Virginia and that was a big sport. And uh, my goal was, you know, one day to be the next Pele. And I realized in middle school that wasn't going to happen. I had a better chance of being the next Dr. J. Um, and so um, I, I played basketball. I was tall. I was really good at it um, and really just sort of focused on basketball as I went into high school. And, you know, I, I, the rest was, was sort of history there. But, um, you know, by the time I got to high school, I was six, five as a freshman, maybe like 120 pounds. So my frame, you know, was not 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 conducive to, to being a, you know, running back uh, in, 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 uh, in football, but uh, it all worked out well. And but sometimes I wish I had played football just one time. You know, I wish I had had the opportunity, but you know, never, never happened. No, that's awesome. Well, I, and I'll, I'm going to ask you another one. Seeing how we're talking about family really quick, you know, with you, obviously, with everything that you have and such a busy schedule, I mean, and you are a present dad, you are super involved with your family and your and your girls. And then you've got Tamia, who's your wife. You know, she's a Grammy nominated singer in her own right, who has an unbelievable story as well. Like, how do you guys find that balance? Like, how do you how do you make it work? Because you guys are all over the place and you've got two kids in sports that uh I, tell us how, tell us your secret sauce how do you bring it together <laughs> well you know it's interesting i mean i i think we're in a we're in a good groove right now um you know one thing that's hard i think when you retire from from um from playing and sort of finding out okay what's next you're 40 years old you, you play basketball um there's a, there's a rhythm and a flow to your life, you know, there's sort of in season, there's a schedule, we all know what it is. And then there's sort of freedom in the off season. And, and that's sort of your routine. And that's all you know, and then all of a sudden you retire. And then it's okay, what do you do? And some people choose to sort of like do nothing, you want to decompress, you want to get off the hamster wheel, and, and just sort of slow down and, and, and enjoy life, if you will. Uh, I think for me, I wanted to like, stay fulfilled. I wanted to stay busy. Um, I wanted to, you know, try new things, keep myself busy, figure out what I like, what I don't like, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. And I probably spread myself out a little bit too thin. And, and I think I had to reel things back in a bit and just, okay, let me refocus. I actually, I don't even know if you noticed, Wendy, but I, I, two years ago, almost two years ago, yeah, two, August of 19, um, I got really sick. I, um, I ended up having surgery on my lung. And, um, and so I was pretty much out there. I had an infection in my lung that had to be removed. And I didn't know you could remove an infection. But um, so anyway, it just kind of, I don't know, I feel like I was worn out. I was doing too much. And I got a little bit out of balance. And, and so um, 
so, you know, we've been in quarantine. We've been, you know, because of COVID. I was kind of quarantined, you know, prior to COVID for about four or five months. Um, but it just helped me kind of press the reset button, um, get a little bit more balanced, learn to, to, to you know, to, to, you know, just like in sports, like just like with your body, you, you have to learn how to recover. You have to learn how to walk away and take the time to rest and like the same thing. And so I kind of reprioritize things. Uh, I think COVID has been a, a you know, in a way, and I don't want to be insensitive, but it's been a blessing in that, uh, or if there's silver lining that we're all together, we spent more time together. Um, so, you know, for me, um, you know, it's important with, as a parent, as a, as a husband, uh, and then for your own time, you know, to be able to have your own downtime when you can, you know, you know, be by yourself. And, and I've, 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 it's taken me a while to figure that out in retirement, but I, I like kind of where I'm at. And I think that's important. I think we get caught up in life and we get caught up in pursuing our, you know, our, our career goals and, 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 and just getting on that hamster wheel. And we got to, you know, we got to find that balance in our life. And I think if we do, then we'll be more productive and, um, and have an opportunity to enjoy the ride and the journey as opposed to just, you know, going, going, going and, uh, and hitting a wall eventually at some point. Well, if this is you slowing down, we're in a lot of trouble. So uh, I can barely keep up with you as it is. But you know, when we're when we're talking about the the family, you've got two super successful girls that are playing sports right now, um, totally different sports. But um, you know, based on obviously the things that you have been through, based on what you know of getting your body right, preparing for activity at a you know at a kind of high level, do they do you kind of give them advice on what to do, and then do they actually listen to you? <laughs> That's the big question. And Wendy, you just wait. Uh, you know, my daughters, I have a 19-year-old who played a number of different sports uh, growing up, uh, focused on basketball in high school. But uh, she's actually doing uh, MMA and jujitsu, And it's the craziest thing in the world, but also like the, like the coolest thing in the world. And, um, and so, you know, she's into that. My, my, youngest, my, my youngest is 13. Uh, she's a soccer player. Like she's... You know, I know I sound like a little league parent, but like she's incredible. Like she's I hate to put that pressure on her, but like she's on a she has a chance to be really, really special. And you know what's funny? Um I try to the the different personalities, I try to like selectively offer suggestions, but they don't listen to anything I have to say. So I have to pay somebody to come in to tell them. <laughs> Same thing I would say, you know, it's like, and, you know, I, I, first of all, my oldest one, like, just because I don't know anything about jujitsu and MMA, like anything I'll say to her, it's like, she just rolls her eyes, you know? And then my youngest one, um, you know, she, she's had, you know, soccer, can, you know, girls soccer can be real physical. And, and so, you know, I'll get my Mark Pro, I'll have her do exercises. And, and she's looking at me like, dad, they don't do that anymore. It's not the dark ages, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll bring somebody in to work with her. And, and he's, you know, telling her the exact same thing that I'm telling her, you know. And so, uh, but I'm mindful of the fact that I didn't listen to my dad either. And, you know, he would tell me things. He's like, great, you know, you should take a nap before your game. I'm like, a nap? Like, I'm 13. Why do I need to take a nap? You know, and and, <laughs> and, he, and he lost all credibility with me when I was uh, when I was in high school. He told me on free throws, I should shoot shoot it off the backboard. 
And I just, I said, off the bat, like that, that makes no sense whatsoever. And so I just, you know, instantly tuned him out. And, uh, and I feel like my children are tuning me out. Um, but you know, I, I'll say this, they, they do, they, they do, I think, listen, they just don't want you to know they're listening. Right. And, um, and I think they, they also saw the work that I put into it. And I think that had an effect. They were young, but I think they, as they're going through their sport now, um, they, I'm proud that they take it serious. They have fun. I don't have unrealistic expectations. I think for young women to be in sports, to be engaged in sports, the values that sports teach you, um, I'm proud team sports, individual sports. There's more women in C-suites in, in corporate America who have an athletic background. So that's my only sort of, you know, like obviously I get excited. Obviously I sometimes allow myself to, wow, what if she did this and went here and this, that, and the other. But I'm just glad that they get the experience of being an athlete. And I think that'll um, that'll be tremendous for them and you know the rest of their lives. So question for you, because I'm, I'm really curious because I've got I've got two young ones that are starting to get involved with sports and uh, my daughter swims, plays water polo and my, dun's, my son's doing a little bit of baseball now. Um, what are some, you know, and I'm, I want them to be able to pursue their dreams, especially if it's from the physical side of things, if there's things that they can do at a young age. Again, we were just talking about what it takes to, you know, be in the league as long as you can want to be in the league so kind of shifting that age range a little bit what what are some of the non-negotiables if you will when it comes to okay this is what you got to do i mean your, your dad told you to take a nap right <laughs> so what are some of the things that you know your, your daughter's got a tournament you know and soccer is just no joke like you said um and certainly mma and brazilian jiu-jitsu but what you know what are some of the things that you say this is what you got to do if you want to do this into high school, maybe college, or in, in your early adulthood, what are some of the things that they, that you say, come on now, this, listen to me if you want to or not, but this has to happen. So, and this probably comes more, more <laughs> than for me, because I'm, I'm always mindful that there's pressure on them because of, because of, you know, what I've done. And I experienced it a little bit with my dad, you know, just, uh, you know, not not from him directly, but just indirectly, him being a professional athlete, the expectations. Um, it, it just so happened I played a different sport, so um, you know, it, it, and I and I found my way early. I, I had success, you know, in freshman year in high school, like I was on that trajectory. Um, but you know, I, I saw it with my older daughter when she played basketball, and just you know, the expectations and the pressure that I think that was there as a result of, of, of me being her father. So I'm always sort of sensitive not to, you know, I'm just dad. Like I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't get on them. I don't, I'm supportive and you know, I clap, I cheer. Now my wife, <laughs> you know, she, she on the other hand, you know, but I mean, I think, I think the thing that, that she really emphasized, and I agree with her is that, look, if we're, if we're paying all this money, and we're traveling all over the place and you're on this team, the only thing we ask is, is you give it your all. And, you know, you, you can control your effort. You can control your attitude. Um, you can control 
you know, your preparation. You can't always control the results. You can't control playing time. Um, there's a lot of variables that go into it, but um, we just want you to be the best version of yourself. And, um, and so, you know, that, that's, that's pretty much it. We're, we're not driving down, you know, to, we're not driving to Atlanta for the weekend for three games and you can just go, you know, go through the motions, you know, and like, you know, we got other things we can do. Uh, and so thankfully, um, you know, they, they've embraced that. And, um, and, and also, like I said, if you don't, don't feel pressured to do this, you know, like my, my youngest one, super talented and really for a while, like I didn't know if she would continue with it. Like, I, I you know, I just, and then she kind of just on her own fell in love with it. You know, you can't teach hunger. You can't like, and, and it's funny, and, and I'm, I, I don't mean to put my children's business out there, but my oldest one played basketball and was good at it, but she didn't love it. And, you know, we had a basketball goal at our house. We had one of those, we had a machine that rebounded for you. And I used it more than she did. And I used to tell my wife, like, you know, she doesn't love it. And when she decided to quit before her senior year, and she was being recruited, you know, in Division II schools. And, um, like, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. Like, she's found her passion, and she loves what she's doing. And, and, and when, you, when you find that, you don't have to tell them to work on their game. You don't have to, like, hey, you need to go outside and practice. And so my little one has found it with soccer. Like now she, now she's like, dad, like take me to the field and put me through drills. And I'm like, drills, like, I don't, I don't know soccer. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going on YouTube looking at soccer drills and <laughs> soccer coach. And, and, um, but when, when, when they find their passion and they love what they, what they do, then they'll do it. And, 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 and you can, you know, you don't have to tell them to do it. And, and um, and so I'm grateful because a lot of people don't don't have that. They don't have a passion. They're just kind of going through life, you know, doing whatever to get by. But um, it's fun watching. It's fun supporting. I am that father, and I'll have to send you this. Send you guys this book. Like I'm the father who records all the soccer games, and I have this like obnoxious camera that goes up like 20 feet, and. Like, it's always like an ego thing when, like, you know, the parents on the other team show up and they have their camera. And my camera's bigger and it goes higher up, <laughs> more elaborate. And uh, I record all the games and then I upload the games into a cloud for all the families to be able to access. And so um, in case my broadcasting career doesn't work, I can always do that. <laughs> I do a lot of that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> And good to know, I guess. Very good to know. So, um, but you know, if we bring it back to you, Grant. Like, I think one of the the questions that that I always hear people ask, like, hey, you know, when when Grant was playing, like, who who were his, you know, I guess favorite teammates to play with, and and why? And and I don't know the answer to that. So I'm going to ask you, like, who were who were your boys? Why did you like playing with them? And do you still keep in touch and do pickup games? Yeah, I don't play pickup games, but I do keep in touch. Um, you know, 19 years, you know, you play with a, a bunch of different guys, and 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 I was lucky to have some great teammates: Detroit, Allen Houston, Lindsey Hunter, uh, Mike Curry. Uh, those are guys that I still talk to, still communicate with to this day. Uh, in Orlando, 
um, the head coach, you know, for the Phoenix Suns, uh, Monty Williams. You know, when I was going through a real dark period in Orlando, um, he lived two houses down from me. And um, he and his late wife, who sadly you know, died in a car accident, were very close to Tamia and I. We actually named our second daughter, Lael, after his oldest daughter. And uh, we thought she was just the most amazing uh, little girl and uh, incredible family. So Monty um, was and still is very close and has his team playing great basketball now in Phoenix as uh, they're you know, in the conference finals. Uh, and then in Phoenix, you know, you know, guys like Steve Nash and, you know, uh, Jared Dudley, Channing Frye, Jason Richardson, uh, that team was close and that team was special. And, um, so I was fortunate that I, I played with uh, some incredible people. I learned from them. I shared, you know, you know, we shared our families, going out, hanging out. Um, you miss that. You miss being connected on a on a daily basis with with your teammates. And, um, but I was fortunate to have some. Great, I, I missed some. You know, I didn't mention everyone, but those were some of the ones. Even Stephen Ash. I mean, you know, I'm broadcasting his series against Milwaukee. And I'm sitting right there on the floor with Marv Albert across, you know, from the benches. And like when Kevin Durant would make an incredible play, like Steve and I would look at each other, like, can you believe that? You know? And, <laughs> and so when you, when you share that bond and that sense of brotherhood with a teammate and you go through the battles and the ups and the downs and the emotional roller coaster, you know, those connections are, are for a lifetime. And, um, and so whether we go, weeks, months, even years at times without seeing or speaking, when we do see each other, it's an instant, like we're back to being in the locker room and back to being buddies. Awesome. Who would be your toughest component that you ever played against and why? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I think, well, I, I, you know, for me, I think, the late Kobe Bryant was probably the toughest. And, um, you know, Kobe was an incredible competitor um, and the ultimate challenge. Somehow, some way, as I got older um, with one ankle, I became a <laughs> stopper, you know? It's like, hey, yeah, Grant, you're 38 with a bad ankle. Why don't you go guard Kobe, you know? And, and, uh, <laughs> and I must have been delusional because I said, yeah, I can do it. Let's go, you know? And, and, um, but, you know, he was always, you know, I actually enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed the challenge, the chess match, um, you know, just competing against him. You knew he was always going to be in attack mode. He was relentless. He was mentally as tough and as strong as any player. Um, you know, I, I couldn't go back at him on the other end because I, I just, you know, that wasn't my role and uh, at that point in my career. But... Uh, you know, he was he was the toughest and certainly, you know, it's just incredibly sad and he still will always be missed. Um, but great competitor, great guy, got a chance to get to know him uh, through the years and um, you know, I, I'd put him at the top of this. Nice. Okay, so I need you to, I need you to, Tony and I have a bet, okay? okay? Um, what is your least favorite exercise that you you probably don't do today, but you still had to do uh, when you were playing. 
Uh, wall slides. Oh, we both win. <laughs> yes. Yep. Wall slides. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We that got was my least favorite. And uh, I actually, when you when you asked that question, I, I got a little like shock. You know, just the, the <laughs> thought of it. You know, like both of you were, were, were such sticklers on like you know just doing it the right way. You know, the mechanics. You guys would turn your head, and I would just kind of do it. You know, and then you know, and I you know. I'd be at three and I'd say eight and nine, ten, you know, jump ahead in the in the order there. But um, the wall slides, you know what, in honor of you two, I will do some wall slides today. I love it. That's a, that's a good answer. Well, I know, I know we have taken up a ton of your time and if you are okay with this, I want to do a rapid fire Q and A with you. Okay. Um, so that way our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And, um, and I think some of the answers will be interesting for me as well. So, so if you're ready, are you ready? I'm Just ready. First thing that comes to mind, what's your favorite song that Tamiya sings? So into you. Nice. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite signature shoe? You never forget your first. Uh, Grand Hill ones. <laughs> Favorite basketball team growing up? Los Angeles Lakers. Favorite non-basketball sport? Soccer. Favorite female trainer ever? <laughs> Wendy. Good answer. Favorite food indulgence? Pizza. Favorite city to visit? Mm. Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite all-time player in any sport? Magic Johnson. Nice. <laughs> favorite type of physical activity that you do now? Uh, golf. Nice. Most memorable moment? Uh, the birth of my children. Good answer. And the last one, what is something that people don't know about you? Oh, man. Um, Good question. Do I want people to know this? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, you do. As I've gotten older and away from the game, I'm more emotional in my middle age. Very. Yes. All right. That's good. Yeah. Tony cries at sappy movies too, so it's all good. <laughs> I, I I tend to I'm crying like what I'm like crying. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why am I crying? Like I'm I'm losing my toughness. You know what's going on? Here? So. <laughs> And this, by the way, uh, uh, Wendy's the my favorite female, but also the toughest trainer. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, man, right. man, I had to make sure I ate my Wheaties. Before I, <laughs> I was like, my head right, because this is not going to be easy at all. Hey, it's always about proper form. That's what I tell every trainer. You want to be good, keep them in proper form, and don't let them cheat. Hey, you yeah. You got to take, take a nap before you train with Wendy. <laughs> 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 all right so hey thank you so much this has been by far one of the the best uh podcasts that we've recorded here on random fit so mr grant thank you so mr hill sorry thank you so much for see i, I told Wendy, man i i i'm all tongue-tied and we haven't even started yet so here we're at the end and i'm still tongue-tied so Thank you so much. This has been awesome, uh, you know, for me and I'm sure our, our viewers and listeners certainly appreciate it. So thank you so much for being with us here today. So 
for you all listening to the Random Fit Show, thank you so much for being here. We had our honored and distinguished guest, Mr. Grant Hill.